0: And this morning, we're beginning a a new series entitled, Follow My Leader. Uh, We're all following something or someone. Some of us follow a football team. And now and again, we're delighted. Often, we're disappointed. Some of us are dedicated followers of fashion, if you remember the kinks. We're all following something or someone. Today, we're looking at Christian discipleship. We're talking about following Jesus Christ. In the series, we're going to be traveling through John's Gospel. On the way, we're going to pick up three verses which have been chosen as our verses of the year. So, not one verse of the year, folks. A triple blessing, three verses. And we'll pick up on those in future weeks. Today, I want to use as my theme following my leader to learn obedience as we look at the incident at the wedding in Cana. What does it mean, in essence, to follow Jesus? Well, I think there are at least three elements. First of all, the element of listening to Jesus, hearing what Jesus says. And we do that as we we read through the Gospels. And we can trust what Jesus says. Listening to Jesus. Learning from Jesus. How he acts. How he reacts in different situations. And then living for Jesus every day. We're talking here about whole life discipleship, which we'll hear a lot more about in the days to come, and especially at Sizemore. Listening to Jesus, learning from Jesus, and living for Jesus. Now, we join Jesus' ministry at at an early stage. By this point, he only has six disciples, six men he has called to follow him, and who have decided to obey. At this point, they hadn't witnessed any miracles. In fact, I don't think they were expecting a miracle. Can I just simply ask you whether you expect anything different from the routine of life? Do you ever have great expectations that things might be different from what they are at the moment? Do you ever expect a miracle in your life or in the life of someone you love? My mum was a great woman of faith. She's with the Lord now. She was a bit of a worrier, I've got to be honest. She could worry for England, Wales, Scotland, and the rest. But she was a great woman of faith. And often, as I opened my lunchbox at school, I'd find a little card there with three words. Expect a miracle. Great faith, not only for herself, but for me. I found that very satisfying and encouraging when that card appeared in my lunchbox at exam time. (laughs) A time when often I did need a miracle. The disciples were in for a surprise, as were the guests at this wedding celebration. Jewish wedding feasts normally lasted one whole week. And the groom would need to ensure there was sufficient food and sufficient wine for all the guests. Running out of either was a faux pas. It was certainly a severe embarrassment if that happened for the bridegroom. Jesus and his disciples are invited to attend this wedding celebration. And they accept that wedding invitation and turn up. I think this reminds us that Jesus is no recluse, nor is he an antisocial killjoy. The religious establishment of the day often criticized Jesus for spending time, for socializing, for eating with tax collectors and sinners. They often described him as a glutton and a drunkard as he spent time with outcasts. I don't know if you feel a bit like an outcast this morning. You don't feel as if you're fully in. I want to assure you that Jesus has you on his heart this morning. He wants to draw you into himself. Let's then take a step back in time and have a look at what happened at this feast. Two main points this morning are reduced from three. That's a miracle in itself. First of all, the presence of Jesus makes all the difference. The wine runs out. This is a social disaster. It is an extremely challenging situation for the bridegroom. And we read in verses 6 to 8, Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brink. Then he told them, now draw out and take, draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Imagine just for a moment, just for a moment, that Jesus hadn't accepted that invitation. Imagine that Jesus hadn't been present when the wine ran out. I guess it would be true to say this morning that some of us do find ourselves in a challenging situation at the moment. It may be connected with work or our family, our finances, or maybe our relationships. And at the moment, there seems as if there's no way through and no way out. Can I just encourage you to invite Jesus into your situation? Because when we invite Jesus into our situation, he brings with him his peace. So we don't need to be concerned because we know that he's in control. He brings with him his wisdom to help us to know which decisions to make. He brings with him his joy to lift our spirit. I think it's true and it's probably been true in my own experience that sometimes we only want a little bit of Jesus in our lives. Wilbur Reese said this and I've slightly revised it. He says, I would like to buy three pounds worth of Jesus, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of Horlick's or a snooze in the afternoon sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or have contact with an immigrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want about a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy three pounds worth of Jesus, please. Alan Redpath, who was great. Christian author, broadcaster, speaker, said this. You can have as much of Jesus as you want. The question is, how much do you want? How much of Jesus do we want in our lives? 30%, 50%, 90%? Or do we want him to fill our lives? The presence of Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus wants to enrich our lives and not ruin them. Why go through life on your own when Jesus promises to walk with you every step of the way? Many people think that Jesus is a killjoy, a sport. If they commit to following him... He'll just wreck and ruin their lives. Nothing could be further from the truth. I spent 10 years of my life running away from God. I did a good enough job of spoiling my own life without Jesus. The presence of Jesus makes all the difference. Jesus wants the best for us. Verse 9. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, "Everything, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. This was no cheap table wine or van ordinaire. It was the best Beaujolais of the day. And this is a reminder for me, and hopefully for us, that right from the start of following Jesus, he brings the best into our lives. He doesn't say, I want you to wait five years, ten years, before I bless you. Right from the start, he blesses us so much. You see, in the wine... In the Bible, wine is a symbol of joy. When we turn away from all we know to be wrong in our lives, when we look at the cross and thank Jesus for what he's done, dying there as a substitute for us, we can experience the joy of knowing that our past is forgiven, that we have a future hope which is secure because it's based on the promises of God. We can experience the joy of knowing we're part of the family, as Naomi has mentioned this morning, that God's my heavenly Father, that I'm his child. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. The joy of knowing all of these blessings. Great exercise, and I've done it myself a number of years ago, to write down all the things that happen... When you first start to follow Jesus, great exercise. Perhaps something in your contact group that you might like to think of doing. All the things that God has blessed us with as we start to follow him. Uh, at this point, I need to issue a spiritual health warning. There are uh, people that uh, think that uh, just pray a prayer. And uh, invite Jesus into my life and uh, everything will be okay. Now, I'm not saying this morning, come to Jesus and all your problems will be solved. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, Jesus said on one occasion, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus assures us he will never leave us or abandon us. He will stick with us through the good times, but also through the bad times the presence of Jesus makes all the difference secondly I was going to say and finally then but Jesus desires total obedience Jesus' mother tells him that the wine has run out he replies dear woman why do you involve me my hour has not yet come now its reply to her seems thank you a tad it is just water thank you So Jesus replies, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. His reply seems to be a tad uh, abrupt, even harsh. But that wasn't the case. Uh, Woman was a perfectly acceptable way to address Mary. He explains that he is submitting to a heavenly timetable, to God's timetable. Throughout the years as he grew up, he was submitted to joseph and mary in fact in luke 2 you can read that jesus learned obedience can you imagine that the creator of the world learned obedience as a child but now his obedience is to the father and his mother says to the servants do whatever he tells you in verse 5. mary trusted jesus to do what was right in the situation the water turned into wine because the servants obeyed Jesus' instructions. That phrase, do whatever he tells you, is still very significant for me personally. I hope you, won't, I hope you forgive the, the personal um, illustration again. Uh, it was the late 80s, and I sensed God was leading me away from the civil service into what we describe as full-time Christian ministry. Julie and I were at one on this, and we were, I would say, we were 90% convinced that this was the direction that God wanted us to go. We were convinced almost that it was time to resign my job. We were praying that God would give us a real sense of confirmation, of peace, that this was the right move. I had a... A role as a systems analyst in the civil service, it was a safe, secure job. And yet God was just gradually drawing me away. At the time, we were attending a Brethren church in Swansea. After sharing bread and wine, those of you who are familiar with the Brethren practice will know it's often the occasion when one or two people will get up and share a few words. Sometimes those words are more helpful than others. On this occasion, we'd broken bread, we drank wine. We waited in anticipation, hoping for some sign of confirmation that we're on the right track. And this guy gets up. Lovely Christian guy, but to be honest, he got up most weeks. Sometimes it was helpful, sometimes less so. Have a guess what he talked about. You've got it. The wedding at Cana. He said there may be somebody here who's looking for confirmation. And he used the words from the AV. Words from the NIV. Whatever he says to you, do it. Don't do something like it. Do exactly what God is telling you to do. And do it now thanks, Lord, we're on our way. That was the confirmation of the next step for us, but it was a valuable lesson in humility for me. When he told Mary that his time had not yet come, Jesus is explaining, as I say, that he's working to the Father's timetable. Now, as I draw to a close, I want to ask you if your hour has come this morning. Are you willing to do whatever he says? Is there something Jesus is telling you to do this morning? Maybe it's time to start following Jesus. To start that adventure. To start that journey. Maybe somebody here is thinking, well, to be honest, I don't know enough. Do you think the disciples knew enough when they agreed to follow Jesus? Of course they didn't. Following Jesus is the first step in discipleship. It'll take a lifetime to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Don't worry about what you don't know. If you can trust Jesus with your future, then start following today. Maybe it's time to be baptized. Wasn't it great last week? that will live long in the memory to see four adult men baptized. And do you remember their response when Mark said to them, Why do you want to be baptized? Because I want to follow Jesus. They wanted to be obedient to Jesus. Maybe this morning, you've been thinking about baptism, you perhaps don't know what it entails, or you sense Jesus is saying, be baptized. Would you speak to a leader afterwards and just express your thoughts? Thirdly, maybe it's time to engage in a ministry. Maybe... We've sat on the sidelines for too long, and it's time to get involved in serving the Lord. Someone has said that some Christians want to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. Each one of you have got gifts, abilities, skills, which God can use to bless him and to bless this church. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get involved. Use what God has given you to minister, to serve others. Maybe it's time to go deeper into the spiritual life. Uh, Discipleship is going to be a major theme for us in 2020. Becoming a follower of Jesus may take place in an instant... To become a fully devoted follower will take a lifetime. I like the story about um, the couple who were downstairs watching TV, and their the young son was upstairs, and suddenly there was a loud bump from upstairs. They raced up the stairs to see their little son lying on the floor. So, what happened? Well, I fell out of bed. Well, how did you manage to do that? Well, the lad said, I stayed too close to where I got in. I stayed too close to where I got in. Some people become a follower of Jesus Christ, and that, for some, is the end. They've got their ticket to heaven, thank you very much. Jesus is calling men, women, boys and girls, people of all ages, to follow him in whole life discipleship maybe it's time to forgive that person who hurts you even as I mentioned that some of you are thinking of someone who said or did something that still rankles with you that still makes you feel bitter and harsh the Bible says forgive as the Lord forgive forgave you how do you know you've totally forgiven somebody? By coming to that point where you can ask for God's blessing on their lives. Forgive as Jesus forgave you. If you don't, you'll find yourself dragging a ball and chain of bitterness with you through life. And you won't make the progress as a disciple that Jesus wants you to. Turning water into wine was the first miracle uh, recorded in the Gospel of John. Today could be the day when we have the opportunity to experience a miracle that has the potential to change your life. I want to encourage you to make the most of that opportunity. Don't just listen to Jesus. Do whatever he tells you. Many of you know that uh, Nike have a theme on their trainers. Anybody know what the theme is? Just do it. That will be my final three words to you this morning from the message, just do it. Amen. Amen.